Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan. Welcome to the next episode of Beyond the Sermon. This is a way for us to go beyond the weekend message through conversations, questions and answers, deep dives into topics, interviews, and practical ways to engage throughout the week. The hope is that through this series, you'll be encouraged, challenged, and more equipped to be a disciple of Jesus. This week, I sat down with Mark Johnson. He's become a great friend over the years. He has more scripture memorized than anyone I know and has an incredible gift of encouragement by using verses, passages, and principles to meet people right where they are. We talk about the Bible, how it can help us, and ways to engage with it. Here's my conversation with Mark. Well, Mark, uh, for our audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and your role here at Faith Chapel? Yes. Well, good morning, Jordan. Good I morning. like to say Jay, uh, one of my favorite people on the globe. I I'll take that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, am so privileged to be at Faith Chapel, and I head up the men's ministry and also the ministry to pre-married couples. We call it the I Do Before Marriage Ministry. So we've got uh, marriage mentors that we train and equip so that they can help with our with our whole process of building a foundation up yeah. on, underneath couples before they get married. And then uh, I do a ton of counseling around here and just kind of general support Nate type of yeah. role, really. Yeah. 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 So I'm so thankful to be here. Yeah. One of my... So we're we're in First uh, Corinthians chapter ten. Nate was talking about that this last weekend, and I'm I'm really excited that you are the the person that we get to chat with mm. because we're talking a lot about the Bible and mm. your relationship with the Bible is one of my favorite things. Mm. Um, and just getting to see, I mean, how your your love, your passion, your desire mm-hmm. for Scripture, mm-hmm. um, and even you know <clears throat> as a you don't always get to hear this, but as a as a staff, as a crew, sometimes, you know, in a very loving way, we're always like, well, I bet Mark has a verse for that, because there's so much that you've memorized that's just ready to go mm-hmm. at any given time. And so this last weekend in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, uh, we went through a an outline of four things that Paul challenged challenged the Corinthian, this early church in Corinth to look at as they create this framework. And he looked backwards to the Old Testament mm-hmm. um, and gave them an example to essentially say, hey, let's learn from history. Let's learn from what happened to the Israelites, to this Hebrew culture beforehand, and let's try not to make the same mistakes. And yep. so the four things were do not be idolaters, mm-hmm. do not commit sexual immorality, do not test God, and do not grumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nate went through a portion... <clears throat> to just talk about how do we read the Old Testament. And so there's this this whole big picture of Nate's message this last week was surrounding how can we learn from the greater picture of the Bible mm-hmm. as a frame to help us follow and, and uh, orient our lives in a way to be students and learn and essentially avoid mistakes. So my mm-hmm. first question for you, Mark, would be what's your relationship with the Bible and can you can you tell us a little bit about what you do with your kids? You've got this really mm-hmm. neat tradition that you started this several years mm-hmm. back um, with your kids, and uh, just talk to us about about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you know, I think. Thank you for that question. That's a good one. Um, we all have our uniqueness and who God's made us to be, right? And I think out of the out of the shoot for me. Uh, Obviously, God's out in front of us always, and He's got a plan for us. I like to think that God is planning His work and working His plan. 
And his plan for me was to be a shepherd, and I just, I'll, I'll do that till I die, until he takes me home. But uh, so a, sh- a shepherd needs to be able to shepherd with God's tools. And so early on in my relationship with Jesus, when I stepped into that with him, a real relationship with the real person, Jesus, I just was kind of drawn to his word. I don't know if I should say more than the average person, but he just gave me some tools, some techniques that um, helped me equip myself as a shepherd. Mm -hmm. And uh, you remember when you were in school of leadership, we used to talk about building a a resource library. Mm -hmm. And so when we log God's word into our heart, I've noticed that when we're sitting across the table from somebody and we're we're on assignment to hear their heart and hopefully bring something to them. The first thing is to hear their heart, but the second thing is usually you hear from God regarding something he's put in your heart mm-hmm. that he would have you take off your resource library shelf and offer it to them. Mm-hmm. And then it's God's word that does the encouraging, the healing, the equipping, and all that. So I think God just, it's part of my being set apart for him as his one of his shepherds mm-hmm. that uh that that's been from early on uh my relationship with him yeah. I, as a brand new follower of Jesus my brother who led me to Jesus and his wife they both taught me how to begin having what we often refer to as a quiet time mm-hmm. and so i would get up in the morning super early have a quiet time and uh and go off and do my stupid bonehead things as a, as a brand new follower of Jesus. And then eventually, you know, the word kind of takes over and you've got some equipping up underneath you when you start to do a bonehead stupid thing. And then you think, oh, yeah, God's word says this. And then over time, you know, God just uses the spirit in that way yeah. and his word in combination to reshape us, reform us, transform us in order to conform us into the image of Christ. Mm. Yeah. T- talk a little bit about this. So you've got this long history, you know, studying and learning and placing yourself in a position to learn from Scripture and to learn from mm-hmm. from what's communicated there. But you have also started this really neat tradition with your sons and daughters that you uh, do every year. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little... This is a little bit of a tangent away, yeah. but I think is a, a picture of who you are, your passion mm-hmm. for Scripture, and then now you are leaving a legacy with your kids that's so meaningful and impactful. Would mm-hmm. you mind sharing a little bit about that? No, not at all. Thank you. Uh, years ago, as a pretty new follower of Christ, I got a new Bible. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write down... <laughs> It was such a Mark Johnson thing. My little, I've, I've got little systems, and so I'm going to write down the date and uh, the reference that I'm reading that day, and I'm just going to journal in my Bible because journaling is important, and you can come back and read uh, a year later something that you've written down, and so uh, and you can see how change has occurred in your life. Well, I started doing that in my Bibles up at the top and in the margins, and and uh, I've, I've been doing that for all these years, and then. Uh, but, uh, but about six years ago, I got to thinking, um, an inheritance is what you leave for someone, mm-hmm. but a legacy is what you leave in someone. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what people say or think about you when you're gone. You left a legacy. Well, I didn't figure I'd be able to leave a lot of money for my kids, uh, 
And then I realized they, they really don't want that anyway. What they want is to hear me whispering over their shoulder when I'm gone. So I determined what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to take a Bible a year, read through that thing from start to finish, and journal my way through it like I'm having a conversation with them. And I'll show them points of interest along the way of things I've read in God's Word. And then, uh, then they will also have some points of interest that they'll add to it. Okay. But, but when I leave, each of them will have their own Bible of things that I've said and coached them along with uh, when I'm gone. So I'm on my fourth one now. This is Eli's Bible. I did Sigh, Hope. Faith, this is Eli, and then next year I get to start Joy. That's amazing. In January. That's awesome. So you're, this is year four year doing four. it. That's yeah. so cool. I yeah. love it. You got to stay on it every day. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fiddle around. And I'm going uh, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. I've got little, my little system is like today, I read uh, Psalm 105, then I went to Mark 12, 35 to 44, then 1 Corinthians 10, or excuse me, 2 Corinthians 10, and then I'm in uh, Samuel uh, chapters 24 and 25. So that's just my particular system. I've got a little thing there. It uh, <clears throat> comes from the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan, and uh, that just kind of helps me be all over and get a little snippet of God from various angles throughout my my day's reading. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> shifting gears back a little bit to to uh, the topic from the weekend and 1 Corinthians 10, and now in context with who you are and, and some of these practices that you've had in your life, some of these systems. So you've got this <laughs> this one with uh, with your kids, which I just think is so cool and, and so neat uh, to hand off to them. And But then you also have one, and you, you brought it with you. People won't be able to see it as they're listening, but you've got all these little cards with verses on them. <laughs> And you've got dozens of them. <laughs> and if you've ever seen Mark Johnson really anywhere for a, a, a chunk of time, sometimes you'll you'll catch a glimpse of him just walking, mm. and he's looking at something. He's got his head down, and he'll look at that, and he's just walking at a furious pace, and he'll look up, <laughs> and he'll keep walking. What are you doing, and what is that system, and how does it relate to our topic? Oh, yeah. So that it's so old school. <laughs> I mean, I... Um, Dawson Trotman was the originator. He was the, the founder of the Navigators. And the Navigators are, you know, they, they, they minister to people on uh, college campuses and in the military mainly. And his thing was to memorize scripture. And then, uh, so, gosh, I, early on I thought, wow, what a cool dude. I want to be like Dawson Trotman. And so they have, the Navigators have this thing called the topical memory system. And it's 60 verses and... Uh, so I memorized that and some other things and, and developed kind of a system of memorizing. And then you've got these little verse cards that you can use for what Bill Bright called, <clears throat> he was the founder of Campus Crusade. He calls it spiritual breathing. It's where you pour God's word over your mind and then you pray it back to God somehow. And that, that really helps you meditate on the word. And, and so I've noticed that uh, scripture, memory, significantly review and meditation helps realign me to hmm. out of my humanness and back to the truth of who God is and what he says about us and, you know, refashions my worldview. Well, so yeah, uh, in, in this day and age, most people have that kind of stuff on their phone, which is cool, but this is what's always worked for me, so I kind of like it. I'll tell you a funny story. Last week, a week before last, I went to, I was in a hurry before I got to church and I wanted to... <clears throat> Go buy some stuff at Ace Hardware, uh, 
to let a guy use my chainsaw, so I need to get some gas and some oil for it. And so I go up to the counter, and uh, before I left, I I had to go back in the house, and I told Denise, "Hey, who's my wife?" I said, uh, "Oh, I forgot my wallet." She goes. Yeah, that'd be like you to get up there without your wallet. <laughs> so I go to I go to Ace and I get up there to to pay for my oil and my gas, and I handed the gal. I started to pay for it, and I uh, I was going to get my credit card out, and lo and behold, it was my verse pack because my verse packs are the <laughs> same little the thing same, yeah. as my <laughs> as what I keep. It's my wallet. Yeah. So uh, I thought, now wait a minute, can you hang on to these? I I'm not going to be able to pay a whole lot with this verse card. <laughs> and there was a gal right there who, who goes to our church, and she said, I just happen to have a credit card. So she paid for it. Oh, that's nice. It, which was really cool. But, uh, yeah, I just realized that my verses weren't going to pay for no, the, for the yeah, oil and gas. That probably wasn't legal tender, <laughs> as, as they would say. But I was glad I had my verses. Yeah. I was able to you know, review those on my way home. Yeah, that's awesome. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, those those that pack is... Yeah, you you've got that with you everywhere you go. <laughs> but your wallet, on the other hand, which also includes your driver's license. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> slightly important too. Yeah. Oh man! So so over the years, you, Nate talked about those those four sections uh, that Paul is challenging the church in Corinth, and so you've got all these scriptures tucked away. Hmm. And in our conversations with me and you personally, and I've seen you encourage other people this way, hmm. you'll have these scriptures ready to go, and hmm. you know you talk about it in mm-hmm. this sense of pulling a resource off the shelf, that mm-hmm. you've got this this yeah. whole, you know, using that metaphor, this whole wall filled mm-hmm. with scriptures, mm-hmm. quotes, books you've read, things like yeah. that, that in the moment, you're just ready and waiting for God mm-hmm. to to stir something in you to encourage someone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's really neat. But I also would want to zoom in on these four areas. And I've got a question for you that, that, that goes like this. How has scripture memorization mm-hmm. and meditation mm-hmm. helped you in these four areas? The mm-hmm. four areas, again, are idolatry, mm-hmm. sexual immorality, testing God and grumbling. These challenges mm-hmm. that that Paul is saying, mm-hmm. this has been humanity's issue. This has been, yeah. this has been something that all yep. throughout history mm-hmm. is something that just keeps coming yep. up. It's a pattern. Yep. So let's learn from the past. Let's yeah. learn from those guys back there mm-hmm. and see if we can avoid some of the pain, some yeah. of the process... And so mm-hmm. as you know some of these stories, mm-hmm. as you've memorized some of the principles from that, yeah. what has that done for you as you journey with Jesus? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, from Genesis chapter 3 on, we have struggled in our humanness, right, to stay focused on God. And idolatry is anything that we worship anything but God. And it is easy to be idolatrous in our day and age. I could be really idolatrous about my yard because I'm passionate about landscaping. And, and uh, so I have, to, I have to be reminded of my flesh and my humanness versus my calling and my uh, privilege to walk with God this side of heaven. So the Word helps me reshape that. Mm-hmm. This week, Nate will be talking about 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians 10, excuse me, that no temptation's overtaken you that's not common to man, but God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your strength. Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that. But with the temptation, when it's there, when it shows up, will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Wow. When was the last time you were tempted? Oh, about 12 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah, so... 
We need the word to help us stay focused on the fact that there is, there, we have an enemy. He's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's the one who Jesus called a murderer and a liar and the father of lies, and no good thing dwells within him. So we're fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil. We've got to have God's word to keep us in alignment. Mm-hmm. The third one was... Um, testing God. Testing God. Yeah. And then the other one was grumbling, right? Yep. They're kind yep. of the same to me. I was thinking about those in the sense that uh, uh, our humanness, our flesh, our own perspective will cause us to test God. And the enemy doesn't want us to think about him, to believe in him. Remember, he's a liar, and he comes to deceive. So uh, that puts us to the test. And then, um, and, and then the, the thing about grumbling is to think that my way is the right way mm-hmm. and that uh, <laughs> isn't, isn't that the issue that we fight is I, I want to do it my way, even though, uh, Lord, uh, show me what your will is. People pray this all the time. And then when God reveals his will, it's like, nah, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right, I'd right. rather do it my way. Yeah. And uh, so then we begin to grumble and complain about his perfect plan. Right, which is, I mean, even in the story of the Hebrew nation leaving Egypt, they get out into the wilderness, and so God's plan is you know, to, lead, to lead them out of Egypt, and they're walking, and God's delivering them. And then they get out in the wilderness and they go, man, should we just go back? Like, why do we have to go this way? Why do we have to, you know, they're, they're grumbling. They're mad at God for taking them into the wilderness. And they seem to be between, you know, the Red Sea and Egypt and there's an army. And, and then their first response is not, yeah. oh, God, thanks for delivering us. It's, ah, oh. just take us back. You're, I, that's what I thought of when you said, <laughs> oh. we hear his will and we go, ah, is there any other way? <laughs> I was just reading this morning about Moses being the servant of God in Psalm 105. And holy smokes, don't you just want to grab the children of Israel by the shirt front and rattle them around and say, what are you thinking? And when Nate talked about the fact that for 40 years they ate manna for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I have to think that every meal was just like a steak dinner, right? That that they never got tired of it, and it was 100% completely healthy. In fact, can you imagine what they looked like? They they probably weren't fat at all. They were walking around everywhere, and they and they were eating perfectly healthy food. But but it 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 never got old. But to them, it did because they were just bent toward griping in the mm-hmm. first place. Mm-hmm. And then I think, well, yeah, but how am I like them? I'm probably like them in a in a bunch of ways. So I have to stop and and realize, well. <laughs> people could grab me by the shirt front, right? right, right? right Quit grumbling right. in your spirit. Follow God. Trust his will. Do it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I wish think, it was that easy. <laughs> I think it's so easy to, to take anything that, that we've been given in, in, in our culture, in our, in our times, in what's around us, we can become discontent. And we think yes. that God owes us something, or that there yes. should be something new and better, and yeah, better. something yeah. on the way, yeah. and, and it's... it's Unfortunately, easy. I loved mm-hmm. Nate even said this phrase that it's grumbling often often happens when we lose our awe of God, mm. and I think that that you know even our pace of life sometimes yeah. can numb 
can numb my perspective for sure. to where like these beautiful things can be around me. I was talking oh. to Shane about this at, in our last episode where like I paused and looked at some clouds like forming and I was like, oh, what a what an interesting thing how infrequently I stop to just appreciate what's actually just around me where I live, where I am, because mm. I'm just moving at, at a frantic pace all the time. That so, is so true. Yeah, yeah. So another perspective that, that Nate brought was this, this concept in Hebrew culture of having parallel truths where you have this kind of both and. God is merciful, but God is also just. Mm-hmm. And Western thinkers often can think either or. Yeah, you can't be that and mm-hmm. you, you, if you're you can be this or that. We mm-hmm. we we have opposites mm-hmm. in in a lot of our thinking. In your time learning, growing, mm-hmm. um, what are some parallel truths that you've encountered over the years where you've seen mm-hmm. both sides? Mm-hmm. Where you've seen, oh, that is that is both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. I. Um... Uh, I love it when God wants us to know something. He repeats it in a variety of ways over and over. And um, it doesn't always have to come from his word, but, you know, God communicates to us primarily through his word. But um, one of the, the repeating themes I love is the fact that God is a God of unfailing love and faithfulness. They're usually together. And I like to think of well, if God wasn't loving for one second, he he would we could say, ah, I caught you not, not being loving. Or if he was not faithful for one second. But that's a matter of interpretation, both of those. God will always, always, always be faithful, and he will always, always be loving. He cannot not be who he is. I've loved that theme. Many people say, oh, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I only like the God of the New Testament because, well, I don't know what they're thinking. Oh, this is the new way. Mm-hmm. And that was the old way. It's kind of like old Mexico versus <laughs> new Mexico. Anyway, uh, but he created us. Undergirding all things in creation is his loving kindness. And God wouldn't be loving if he wasn't just. He would not be just if he didn't pursue being, uh, if he didn't pursue judgment with a loving heart. But there are times when God just has to pull the trigger and say, I have had it with you. And uh, that's that's the God of the Old Testament we see having to deal with a bunch of bonehead people like we are, uh, because he was refashioning their thinking out of the idolatrous form of religion in Egypt versus you're my set-apart people. And uh, trust me, I'm unfailing in my love for you. It is an eternal, everlasting uh, love that will... uh, It'll always be there, and I will always be faithful because I love you. Mm -hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So, So for you personally... Where have you seen some of those things and, and experienced them on a personal level? Even from like, even from a Mark Johnson, you you saw both sides of that coin, and, and maybe you know I think in 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 our culture and being on this side of mm. the New Testament, we we don't see as much mm-hmm. that interaction because mm-hmm. we are under a new covenant, right? We're mm-hmm. in a new time, but. Mm. What have you experienced where you got to see the different facets of God's character, maybe in a parallel way, where you where you see both of those 
at play. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm so grateful for the fact that God is always out in front of us. I was thinking about the story of Jesus sending the two disciples in to uh, find a cult and uh, untie it and, and bring it here. And he says, uh, and if the people ask you what you're doing, just tell them the Lord needs it. So he sends them in. They find a cult. It's exactly as Jesus said. They said, what are you doing? Uh, well, the Lord needs it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that happens over and over and over again. <laughs> Jesus said three different times, he said, now we're going to be going up to Jerusalem, and we get, when we get there, here's what's going to happen. And each time he gave them a little bit more of the picture. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the same thing with, with Abraham. When God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans, he said, uh, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. So Abraham steps out in obedience. He builds an altar. He follows God. And then he gets down the road a little bit as God reshapes him in his thinking. And then he meets him again. It starts in Genesis chapter 12, then Genesis 15, and then 18, and like that, 21. And on and on it goes. And each time God gives a little bit more of the picture, but he's always, always out in front. He knows as much in the future as he, as he sees into the past. I love that. Now, for me, there have been times... I'm. I like to track certain themes as I'm reading through the Bible in a year. And one of the ones I'm watching for now is in the wilderness. How many times do I see that term, in the wilderness, in the wilderness, in the wilderness? There are times when we are in the wilderness and we're trying to figure out what the heck is going on here. Mm-hmm. And for me, I went through a period of, of, uh, a, of a 14-year wilderness thing. Mm-hmm. And God kept saying to me, hold on, I've got you. I'll get you to the clearing." And that was him being out in front. And it was just his way of communicating very personally to me. And he would supplement that with various passages of Scripture. But I've got you. I'm out in front. I'm leading you to something. And uh, one day when I was here after about six months of being at Faith Chapel, I realized, oh, my gosh. In fact, I'm emotional trying, trying to get through this, telling you right now that the the high he kept saying i will get you to the clearing and the clearing for me was faith chapel hmm. it's it's a sweet spot for me a sweet place where god is alive and well but um i am thankful for those wilderness times because they make getting to the clearing so much sweeter hmm. yeah as you've gone you, you even talked through like that's that that wilderness time for you there were some scriptures and things that you held on to. Mm. And so what what would you tell... So, so as we go through life, we're going to have different seasons. So you might have mm-hmm. a 14-year mm-hmm. wilderness season. Mm-hmm. And some people, mm-hmm. you know, that, that term season has become almost even a, an overused phrase. I use it a lot because it just describes something that lasts in an indefinite amount of time. But as we encounter these, what are some of the, some of the things that you... That helped you? you... You said you had scripture that God communicated to you or that, you know, you remembered and, and were meditating on that time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the disciplines that you have that help you get through those different, those mm-hmm. different times? Mm-hmm. What are some things that you could even invite people into to go, Hey, maybe, yeah. maybe as they're listening, they're going, Oh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in that desert time. Or, yeah. I'm feeling this sense of frustration yeah. or wherever mm-hmm. they are, mm-hmm. that they could maybe learn from your time, yeah. your disciplines, yeah. your systems to go, mm-hmm. oh, that would be something that can help me get yeah. through. Yeah, that is such a great question. I think uh, the way the enemy loves to operate is to discredit who God is. Remember in the Garden of Eden when he 
asked Eve a simple question. Uh, did God really say you shouldn't eat of any tree in the garden? And she said, no, just not the tree in the middle. And he says, oh, 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 yeah, yeah. So here's the deal. He says, God knows that if you eat of the tree in the middle of, your, uh, of the garden, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to know good from evil. And he lied to her in two different, different ways. He said, number one, God is holding out on you. He can't be trusted. Number two, you're not enough. So you better try to figure out how to go out and become enough and then come back and be enough. And that's the lie that keeps coming back to us, those two lies, over and over and over. God can't be trusted. Now, what happens oftentimes when we're in the wilderness is that uh, the enemy will make us think, oh, don't go to the Word because God can't be trusted, Mm. when that's the time we need to be in the Word more than ever. Mm. And so one of two things usually happen for people. Either they're out of the Word for a long season of time, and they're mad at God, thinking that God's blown them off or that He has not been faithful. Until they get so hungry for him that they go back to the word and all of a sudden they're just catapulted back into his Mm -hmm. grace and Mm -hmm. an understanding of him. Or people realize this is the only leg I have to stand on right here is God's, the truth of his word. And that, that's been true for me in, in those wilderness times (laughs) is that Lord, I don't, I don't see the truth of this promise you've given me. I don't even know if that promise is going to be a reality this side of heaven, but I am not going to doubt you. I'm going to trust that this promise is real, that you're, that you're loving and kind and generous, and that you're shepherding me to higher ground, and I'm going to trust you no matter what. Yeah. And so his word has really been the mainstay of me enduring through those seasons of times. Yeah. Yeah. How have you, because for me, and I've... I remember growing up and I, I grew up in a Christian home and so quiet times or devotions or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. were part of mm-hmm. a discipline that my parents tried to instill in me. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't enjoy it. Right. <laughs> I didn't have fun with it. Yeah. I didn't really understand. It's like eating what it, oatmeal or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Whoa. <laughs> exactly. It's it's it there wasn't a lot of joy. There wasn't a lot of mm-hmm. um I, I didn't walk away feeling, like, oh man, that was such a great time. It was always a chore. For you, those quiet times are a place that you look forward to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the way that you talk about your quiet times is, I think, where people want to be. Mm-hmm. That as they, whether they're on the beginning of their journey mm-hmm. or in the middle or wherever they are, when I hear you talk about your quiet time with God, it's like, oh, that's what it, that's what everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> should be striving for is to have mm-hmm. that type of anticipation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. desire to go, I can't wait to have this, this set apart time. How did you build that? How did you go from, and Nate even talked about this a little bit when he was talking last week about First uh, Corinthians 9 with the training versus trying and yeah. building something up and sometimes mm-hmm. in this world of training ourselves spiritually, there's yeah. going to be a time when it just is hard. It's difficult yeah. and you're learning something new. Mm-hmm. How did you go from this is a chore and an obligation to mm-hmm. this is something I look forward to and yeah. it refreshes me and yeah. it's a place that I mm-hmm. want to spend my time. Yeah, that's such a great question because there are times when the word becomes very dry and very, oh, did I read anything there mm-hmm. at all? What? Well, do I remember that? And then there are other times it's like, oh man, that was so rich. Right. 
Um, and I think we have to endure through those times well, of Nate, dryness. Yeah, and, and sorry to interrupt, but Nate yeah. even talked about that too. I remember him saying uh, that for some people, when they even hear the, about the Bible, there's guilt immediately that their their brain goes to, "Oh crud, I'm not doing I'm not doing something enough." Yes, <laughs> you know, there's this this yeah. weight of guilt and shame that I'm mm-hmm. not reading enough yes. or spending enough time. So yeah, yeah, and that's a theological uh, issue, by the way, uh, to think that um, God is <laughs> up there somewhere just waiting to catch us being bad, right. and that uh, it is by the good things I do that earn my capacity to come into His presence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just the opposite. When I'm piled up, that's when God wants me to bring my stuff to Him. That's when He says in, in Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are struggling, and climb into the yoke with me, and let me teach you because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you're going to find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, and the load I give you is light, mm-hmm. which I love, by the way. He, he, he takes our burden and gives us a new burden, mm-hmm. and that new burden is to, oh, I want to live, God, uh, live life God's way, mm-hmm. and I want to partner with Him and make it a difference with my one and only life. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we've got a... Um, Joe Frazier was the guy that beat Muhammad Ali. And he, <laughs> he has this great quote. He says, when you get in the, into the ring under the lights, you're just down to your instincts. I love that. So I want to be instinctive and have made sure that when those rare spiritual opportunities come along where I can be used by God, then I'm going to be instinctive and having Hmm. uh, logged time in his word so that, again, I have my resource library and he, his spirit says, hey, take this off the shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, because those times are pretty amazing. I just think if in our day and age, the God's still in the miracle business, and some of the greatest miracles He does is just like this right here, across the table in a conversation with somebody, and maybe a person will make a transaction that's eternal. Mm-hmm. They say yes to God, they step into Him, and their life is dramatically changed for the rest of their lives, right on into eternity. And if that happened because I'm in conversation with them, guess what God did? He did a miracle through a broken clay pl- clay pot. That would be me. Uh, I'm still, <laughs> I'm going to say it, I'm still a man in need of a Savior. That's our thing between mm-hmm. us. Uh, wow, I am still in process in God reshaping me to be like Him. And it'll never fully take place this side of heaven mm-hmm. until we see Him face to face, and then we're going to be like Him. Yay, I can't wait for that. But in the meantime, God does some things pretty supernaturally miraculous, one person, one conversation at a time. Mm -hmm. And I love being in those moments where I just think, whoa, God just did that, and I got to be a part of that? And part of that, though, was instinctively preparing for those moments. Yeah. I I like that in the context, too, of training versus trying that, that often, I think, we think of our quiet times or our prayer life, that those are the spiritual moments. And and, and mm-hmm. at least that's where I can naturally drift. Like if I think of myself, oh, am I a spiritual person? I'm thinking about some of those disciplines or some of those churchy obligations, you know, <laughs> like where it's yeah, like churchy. growing up here and like, hey, you need right. to pray, you need to read your Bible and you need to yeah, go be to religious. Church. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, and that's what being spiritual is. But yeah. I love that you, you, without saying it, reframed it to, no, those are the tools that we use to train ourselves mm-hmm. so that when the spirit moves, we're ready. 
Yeah. That that the spiritual moments that we actually have in our day-to-day lives have mm. so much less to do with some of these religious activities and more to do with, hey, what conversations are you have? What are the people around you? What's what's that community that you're in yeah. where God wants to move and impact and mm. bring his life, mm. bring his renewal, bring his restoration into those mm. moments? Mm. And so I, I like that subtle reframing mm. of, oh no, those are the training moments. Those are the moments where you're trying to build an instinct so you're ready. I, I, that's a that's an interesting shift. So my final question for you, Mark, is that sometimes as we look at the Bible and think about studying it, is that we can become people who have a lot of head knowledge yes. about it, oh. and we've got a lot of words stored up. Yeah. And it can be very cerebral, it can mm. be very knowledge-based, and very... St- driven by study and yeah. understanding, which yes. in and of themselves are not necessarily mm-hmm. a bad thing. How has that moved from, this is a little bit of a cliche Christian mm-hmm. term, but mm-hmm. how has that moved from your head to your heart? Yeah. Where what you've studied and what you've approached and mm-hmm. how you've spent time in scripture has become more than just a head knowledge thing and has become something that's transformed who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a great question. I can remember <laughs> my dad and his wife, my stepmom, um, took Denise and I out to dinner one time, and I must have been about 26, 27, pretty fired up about Jesus, loving, memorizing his word. But they said, you guys are so dogmatic. Now, it could have been that uh, God was uh, doing a work in them, and they were they were kind of stiff-arming God uh, because Georgia was her name, did, uh, she wasn't a believer, did have cancer, went into a coma, supernaturally came out of that, mm-hmm. and then invited me to, uh, and then went back into, um, came out of remission. But when, before she died, she said, I want Mark to do my funeral, which was really cool. So I think that's a neat story, but I have this idea that there was a, some truth to what they were saying, that I was probably pretty dogmatic mm-hmm. in the sense that, oh, I had all this stuff stored up and, you know, it was fresh and I was, you know, rah, 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 giving it to them. And I think over the course of my days, I've recognized that that can really be condescending mm-hmm. when we just kind of whip people around with the, with the word, like, well, here's what God's word has to say. Uh, then that can really put people off. Mm-hmm. And so I've been learning here in my older age, I hope I'm learning, to really listen for the heart of the conversation hmm. and really listen for the heart of the person. And then uh, when if, if I've given them a safe place in which they can share all their stuff and they're not going to be condescended upon, then I usually say, well, would you be willing for me to respond? Oh, yeah. Now I have permission rather than, well, God's word has to say. Mm. And so um, I'm learning that that's a better approach to help people with uh, receiving God's word in a way that is gracious and and uh, not in your face mm-hmm. and whipping them with the Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm learning. Yeah, yeah. I so, probably was pretty dogmatic <laughs> and probably obnoxious. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot of times I look back on ways that I treated people and oh wow I, that was probably annoying I was probably yeah. a little bit too intense yeah um, so final my final question would be as as we look at this whole 
this whole big picture and trying to find a balance of maybe balance is the wrong word, but trying to find ways forward. You've got people who grew up in the church Mm -hmm. and might feel guilty because they don't Mm -hmm. read their Bible enough. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got people who Mm -hmm. maybe are on the opposite end of that and how don't, because of their history with religion and making their mm-hmm. relationship with Jesus about mm-hmm. what they do mm-hmm. are maybe going, yeah. I don't want to step back into legalism where I'm reading the Bible yeah. just to read it, yes. just to check the box. Yep. And mm-hmm. you've got people who've never stepped into it, mm-hmm. people who don't understand the Bible, mm-hmm. people, I mean, the spectrum on mm-hmm. the interaction with mm-hmm. the Bible is really vast. In that, what would be one final challenge or invitation that you would give someone to take a healthy step towards viewing or interacting with scripture? Yeah, that is such a great question. Um, I would tell people, no matter where you are, God yearns to communicate with you. He's highly communicative. I think of that verse in Isaiah 30, 21, where he says, um, so Jordan, whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Everybody wants to know God's will. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the wisest person in history said, God has put eternity in our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's Solomon. So we all have this eternal yearning to know what's going to happen when we're no longer in this earth suit. But we also want to know if God is a communicating God because um, uh, sometimes we think, well, I wish God would just show me his will. Right. And God, I remember as a new Christian, I heard a guy say, God is not up there in heaven hiding behind a cloud with your, the plan for your life written on a placard. And every once in a while, he'll pull it out from behind the cloud and show you, and then he'll go hide behind the cloud <laughs> again. Oh, sorry, you didn't get it? Oh, you weren't listening. Uh, but since God is highly communicative, he's going to communicate to us in literally hundreds of ways throughout our day could be a conversation like we're having right now. God is present. He's in this conversation. He's going to be going with us throughout our day because we're the only player on the soccer field. When God looks at you, it's like, oh, my gosh, have you seen my son Jordan? Isn't he something? It's the same thing he said about Jesus when he came up out of the water. I am so proud of him. This is my boy. I love him. Isn't he something? That's what God says about every one of us. So he's going to communicate with us. Now, if a person is intimidated by God's word or, or uh, is not studious or um, feels like it's a way to be religious, but I don't want to be religious, whatever the reason is that, that, that the enemy would keep us from being in God's word, then I think uh, we'll, we'll do something that's really simple and maybe start with the Psalms that are written by real human people like you and I with real struggles that are, that are um, seeing God they're just journal, writing writing down their journal yeah. notes. Like I was looking today at uh, from Psalm one hundred three to one seventeen or one eighteen. All those psalms uh, bring up praise the Lord, my soul, praise the Lord, and I, I, I find it fascinating that all these these uh, psalmists were saying, still in the midst of my crud and my confusion. There's still a lot to praise him for because mm-hmm. he's still God and he's mm-hmm. on his throne and he's working. So I would say maybe just read a psalm or maybe uh, and, and then just pray that back to God mm-hmm. and do it like this. 
God, would you show me something new and exciting uh, about me and about you and uh, about you and about me in relation to you in this psalm? And if there's just one thing, maybe you just read three verses, uh, then you come away realizing, oh, God gave me one thing, and I'm going to move into my day with that. Or it could be reading through one chapter of Proverbs a day, mm-hmm. or maybe one proverb. Yeah, whatever it takes, just get to God's word. Uh, I think of uh, Proverbs sixteen. I'm just gra- I'm just going to grab that real quick, but it's it's fabulous in how Paul, or excuse me, Solomon talks about um, uh, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer from the tongue. Verse three. Um, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he'll establish your plans. Verse 9, in their hearts, uh, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know what I like about those uh, Proverbs? There is this connection between our lives and God in that he's got a plan, we plan. He wants us planning people, but he wants us surrendering that up to him, and our plans will be established. Hmm. That is how much he, how highly relational he is, and he just wants to talk to us. So get in a position where we can hear his voice. God doesn't just speak from his word to us, but he will speak primarily through his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that <clears throat> that uh, invitation to read the psalm as a prayer. I remember a couple of years ago, I was going through something very specific, and um, I, there, there was a psalm that just spoke to me. And so for probably a month, I got up and every morning, I just read that psalm out loud because it just it encapsulated the way I was feeling, my emotions, the situation, what I was asking God, how I was asking to intervene in my life and that particular time. And it was incredibly powerful to experience something written so long ago, still having significant in my life in that mm. moment yeah. and to see how that prayer just carried weight even yeah. still so is 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 a beautiful you get a lot of mileage out of one one special time in yeah. the word yeah yeah it was it was special well mark thank you so much for mm. your time for sharing your passion and for sharing your mm. experience with us this morning appreciate mm-hmm. it oh what a privilege thank you jordan sure love you thanks for listening if you like this episode would you share it with someone We'd also love to hear from you. I read all the emails that come in and respond to them myself. You can reach us at podcast at faithchapel.cc. Looking forward to hearing from you.